Kevin Fritz with Iron Point Mortgage. Hi, I'm Terrence Springer with Remax Gold. Welcome to our new podcast. We're excited to talk to you about what your dad should have told you. And shouldn't have told you also. So we're going to talk about things that are all over the map, but primarily regarding how to build wealth and how to strategize to build a better future for yourself. You know, we're in a really exciting market right now. We've gone from 20 and 21, where the market was super hot, Anybody would buy anything. Absolutely. If you could uh, if you could see it and you can get an offer on it, you're buying it. But now the market's kind of changed a little bit and we want to talk to you about why that is. So wealth development, you know, I think a lot of people think, I don't need to be rich. And other people go, I definitely need to be rich. But wealth takes on a lot of different forms. And if our fathers had taught us differently, uh, and that's not to bash our dads. No, we don't want to bash our dads because our dads were lovely people. Kevin, your dad was a prep professor, correct? Yeah, he was a professor over at American River College, and he taught over at Sac State, UC Davis, uh, and, uh, and he thought he knew everything about business, but he actually, he was a bureaucrat, <laughs> and, uh, and there's a lot of things he didn't know, and your dad was a sales guy. My dad's a sales guy, and my dad was uh, went to actually a business school, graduated with honors, and got into sales, but really kind of didn't understand the opportunities that were out in front of him. My dad's a great guy, don't get me wrong. Very vivacious, can talk to anyone, very caring, very generous. But we're not talking about those aspects. We're talking about those traditions that we would have liked passed down to us by our fathers. So what makes you know a great dad and great advice? So Kevin, I'm gonna start by asking you a couple of questions. What was it like growing up in your household? What was your dad's strategy for you when you were a kid trying to grow and, and understand where life was going. Yeah, I think we all, most of us from that generation, I was born in the 60s, and so the generation that, that we are part of, you, you go, you get a job, you work really hard, you usually stay at that same job for your whole career, uh, and then you build up money, and then you retire, and you have a pension. Right. So there's still some places that you can get a pension. You can go to work for the state of California. PERS has got a pension. and Federal government, too. They've got great pensions. You can do all of that approach if that's what you're really trying to do. That was the same in my household. My parents raised me to go get an education, be as smart as I could be, and find a job where I could have a long-term career with that corporation and company. It didn't work out that way for me. I started in um, biotech and ended up going into real estate by accident. My wife said, hey, I think you'd be a good realtor. And I said, ooh, I don't know if I like the risk. So part of what we're gonna talk about today is why we are comfortable, more comfortable than most people with risk yeah. and understanding how opportunities are made available to us that most people just can't see. The things are right there, but you're not able to understand it. And that's really what our goal is as dads, we both have kids. Well, he has multiple kids, and so do I. Yep. And by the same mother. Um, <laughs> not are the same mother. Not, not are the same mother, but by the same mothers. We're married yeah. to do two different women, but we've been married to the same women for multiple years and have multiple children. Yeah. And one of the things that we like to talk about with our kids is how they should be investing their time, energy, and money. So one of the things that uh, my approach with... Um, investing is 
basically having a three-pronged approach and having multiple streams of income. So, Kevin, is that similar to what you preach? Absolutely. I think that uh, as, I think there's some fundamentals that you really need to uh, to follow in order to be successful in this day and age. And, and a lot of that is different streams of income because how many people do you really know other than our folks who have stayed in their job for 30 years? You know, and I think we did it pretty well. I mean, uh, Terrence went to UC Santa Cruz. I went to UC Berkeley. He was in, in a science background. I was in a, in a business background. And so for all intents and purposes, did it right, right? We did it right. However, but it all turned out a little different than we thought. Totally different than expected because I went to school to study pre-med. I was actually um, a lot smarter when I was younger <laughs> and uh, decided that really wasn't for me. Once I got into the biotech industry, I stayed there for 10 years and mm -hmm. just totally different world because you see the same 10 people in a laboratory and you're trying to do protein chemistry every day. Unless your mindset is that is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It wasn't for me, and I had to go try something else. So, Absolutely. Yeah. My, my goal, I had actually written my goals down. I'd heard about a Harvard study that if you, those that wrote their goals down, it turns out may or may not have been true, but the Harvard study was that those that actually wrote their goals down uh, accomplished, I, I can't remember, like 10 times more than those that didn't have a goal. Right. Well, so, and it's interesting because a lot of those things that I wrote down as a goal actually came to fruition. I forgot that I had actually created the goal okay. but I wrote it down I saw it later but I wanted to go into either real estate finance or uh, mortgage and so I ended up in mortgage my background is real estate finance and uh, and so that was that's where I wanted to go but I actually because of the risk I was afraid for all lack of a better word to go directly into mortgage because it was full commission so I went into IT staffing and so I placed programmers into jobs and then I realized I owned a business and I said I've got all the risk anyway, so we might as well go into what I wanted to do, which is real estate and mortgage. Absolutely. So for me, you know, I followed my dad's rules about going to school, getting an education, and then going into that biotech business. But like I said, after 10 years of that, that really wasn't where my life was headed. And I was very fortunate that I had a wife and still have a wife that believes in me and pushes me to try different things. Because one of the things that I learned as a kid growing up in my family was risk aversion. We didn't want to take risks for fear of losing everything. We didn't come from a very successful background. We came from very humble beginnings. And understanding that, I understand why my parents, especially my dad, was more risk adverse with trying different things like commission-based sales or going in and starting his own business. So I understand- Actually in that, that day and age, sales was pretty risky. Absolutely. You know, sales back in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, I'm sure was extremely risky unless you were into the stock market. Right. But my dad wasn't into stocks. Was yours? No. My uh, my dad fancied himself as a, a business guy, but really, like I said, he was a nine-to-fiver, had a great job, and he could make a lot of money in a short amount of time because he could teach. Right. Um, but you know, one of the things that's super key that we've realized, and I think one of the key fundamental uh, areas is leverage. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to leverage. And anytime you're trading time for dollars, uh, you're at a disadvantage. So what are some of the examples of, of leveraging uh, either inside or outside that we've learned about? So I think part of it is leveraging your time and money. So for me, I like to invest in real estate because over time, 
that has traditionally done extremely well. So knowing what part of the market in, you're in is extremely important as well because with uh, real estate, it's very secular and it's repetitive. So you know when the crashes are coming and you know when the peaks are going to be happening as well. So real estate is very peaks and valleys oriented. You have to understand looking at data where you are in that part of the cycle. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna switch it over to our tech guy who's going to install a graph for you to see where prices were back in 2017 versus 2021, the price per square foot. So you can see how the values have changed in that short time frame. And then we're going to expand on that and show you more about where interest rates are now and where they were back in 1983, you'll be surprised. Yeah, I think some other areas of leverage. So real estate's a great area of leverage because you can buy a piece of real estate for say three, five, 10% down, 20%. I think a lot of people, that's a big myth for a lot of people thinking that they've got to put the full 20, but you can get into real estate for a small amount of money and then leverage somebody else's money in the form of a mortgage. So that's one that we're pretty excited about and that's why we both went into this field However, there's other areas of leverage. So you can go into the stock market and you can leverage your money there. It's a more direct effect, but it's not your time that you're trading. You can start a business. Right. Uh, you can uh, have a product company, build a tech platform. I mean, if, if you've got those skill set, then that's awesome. But we choose real estate. We choose real estate because we can touch, feel, and see it. And that's really important for me. I am always afraid of the pie in the sky, get rich quick scheme. Because in real estate, there is no get rich quick scheme. It is long and hard, but over time, it goes up and increases in value. And one of the things I want to kind of touch base on, what Kevin just said about leveraging somebody else's money, the mortgage that you have on a house. Now, there are all kinds of plans that are available to you. One is if you're a veteran, you can take advantage of VA financing, which allows you to put down 0%. So you're basically buying that home because you served our country and thank you for doing so. Now, what that <coughs> means to you is you can buy anything you would like from one to four units, meaning one, like a single family home, up into a fourplex, or they now have programs that allow you to buy raw land and build your own home on that. So we can go in and have our tech guy insert a VA financing form right here so you can understand what VA loans are available to you if you served. And um, another aspect is being able to come in and teach people how to do this. So this is what we're gonna talk about right now we both have young sons that are under the age of 25. I call that young. So, Kevin, what would you recommend that your son buy for his first home? You know, I think there. I think the best form of, of getting into real estate is your first time home because the best tax write-off that you're going to have, and I, I don't know if the word is best, but the, the uh, most direct uh, benefit that you're going to have is a tax write-off. So when you get into your first property, and I think, uh, boy, it's easy to buy something like a, a two-unit, so a, a duplex or a fourplex, you can live in one of those units, rent out the other units, and you're cash flow positive. 
Absolutely. So I think that's probably the easiest, and and that rent can be used to qualify for the house that you're that you're buying. And most people don't know this is that as a, as a person who's just starting out, you can qualify for a duplex with as little as three and a half percent down. It's called FHA financing, and we're going to insert a graphic right now to show you about FHA financing. Mm -hmm. Now. On to the benefits of owning a duplex as your first property. You can continue to leverage that property over and over and over again. And let me explain how this works to you. If you are 18 years old and you have a job and you can come up with 3.5% down for your purchase, it could be gift funds, it could be your savings, it could be a loan from grandma and grandpa that gives you your down payment. What you can do is purchase that property Use one of the units for yourself. Use the second unit to pay a significant portion of your mortgage. But guess what? In two, three years, you can rent both sides out now and buy another duplex. So if you build wealth from the beginning and you do it correctly, you could have four or five duplexes before you hit the age of 30. How, how great would that be? So that's leverage, right? 100%. So now you've got houses that you've purchased and you're into that. Now, let's talk a little bit. Let's even test, take a step back and let's just talk about what are some of the benefits? You know, a lot of people go, I'm not ready to buy a house. You know, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think I have the down payment. I'm not sure I've got the income. I want a house, but a, how do I do it? And, and, uh, and when is the right time? Right. But you just kind of mentioned, I, I want to just stop and, and just say it again. A lot of people think that you have to put 20% down to get into your home. Right. Yes. I would say the majority of people probably today do not put 20% down. No, I would say they're probably putting down between 3.5% and 5%. And you can do that by leveraging, again, the bank and having a second mortgage on the property. So the myth is you have to put 20% down. That is not correct. We want to show you how to do this and be able to leverage the most amount of other people's money, not your own. Mm -hmm. And so part of what that is, is learning the difference between being a renter and a homeowner. And so, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about what happened uh, for a typical homeowner in 2019? Can you tell me what their net worth was versus what a renter's net worth was? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I think in what you're alluding to is what's the benefit of, of buying a house. And one of the biggest is that the net worth of somebody who rents a house is $6,300 back in 2019. Do you know how much a uh, homeowner's net worth was? It was actually $255,000. So that's a pretty big swing. That's a huge difference and very significant. So what you're basically telling me is more home, we need more homeowners to get more net worth. That's right. Absolutely. So how, why is that? Well, because of a couple of things, right? Because you're going to be able to get a tax write-off. And pe I, I had a cousin of mine who, uh, he owned his house for years. But before he started becoming an investor, I told him, hey, one of the best things about buying these investment properties is depreciation. All that is, is it's, it's basically a tax consequence because they let you depreciate the house. Yeah. And, and the land doesn't depreciate, but you could actually be making $500 a month and it's not showing as a profit because you're depreciating the building. Right. What's really awesome about it, he goes, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
And uh, he did. He, he said, whatever, Kev, whatever, kind of shot sh me on. And, and then he calls me about a year later and he says, Kev, it's like free money. Yeah. I got to write off this depreciation. I thought it was making money and I thought I was going to have to pay taxes, but I got to write it off. Well, that's an investor. So, and that's something that, that you can do. But if you're a first time home buyer, you get to take, take what's called a Schedule A deduction on your tax return. And so any interest, any taxes, used to be some, uh, you, you could write off your mortgage insurance, but not now right. for the most part. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, it can mean that your payment of $2,500 a month, for example, could really come out to be maybe more like 2100 because of the tax write-off. Absolutely. And people say, well, what, what's the benefit? I mean, I get money at the end, but it still costs me more on a month-to-month -month basis. Well, you can go into your W-4, you can increase it. Yeah. You can get more money every single month, and then uh, as a result, it, it's like having a cheap, cheap rent. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the areas. The other area is equity growth. Yeah, for sure. Huge. I mean, we've seen a lot of equity growth in the last couple of years. Holy smokes. In uh, 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, all of us were looking at each other going, what is going to happen with this market? And nobody understood that people were going to have to stay at home. And what that meant was, wait a minute, I need a nicer home. So... The feds made some changes, the banks made some changes, and dropped the interest rates to the historic lows that we have just come through. And so what we saw was people going out purchasing homes with these ridiculously once-in-a-lifetime low rates. Right. What happened is, guess what? A lot of people got motivated. They started buying and buying and buying, yeah. and that raised the prices up. So now what we're dealing with is the uh, effects of those decisions, and now we're dealing with inflation. So. Absolutely. Well, and I think we've seen about a nationally 18% increase in, in, in uh, uh, equity. So you might wonder, hey, what is equity? Equity is just the difference between the, the amount that the house that you bought, uh, the, the value of the home, right. minus the mortgage. And that's the amount that you really have as your net worth, uh, and that's your equity. Yeah, so what we talk about is how much equity you have and what your net worth is. Your net worth is um, your assets minus your liabilities. So the more assets you have, uh, the greater you are in terms of net worth. That's how we determine what your net worth is. So if you owe $300,000 on your house and the house is worth 500000 your equity is 200000 so your net worth, it was, if it was only based on your house, was $200,000. Hope that makes sense. So if we bought a house last year for a hundred thousand dollars, yeah, and now uh, and let's say we owe a hundred percent financing, right? So we owe a hundred thousand. You bought it for a hundred. You owe a hundred, right? Now it went up eighteen percent. So, What's it worth today, and what does that mean? So it means it's worth one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. You just made eighteen grand, eighteen percent return on your hundred thousand dollar non investment because you put out zero dollars. So you just made eighteen thousand dollars out of thin air. Based on 100% financing. So these are things that we're talking about with leverage. And we'll break it down for you a little bit deeper in terms of what is you know, a, a great position to be in. If you can borrow other people's money and make money with it, you're doing fantastic. And Absolutely. so there's some strategies we'll get into in other podcasts about credit cards and equity lines and against your own home. But right now what we want to talk about more uh, actually we want to more involved in is what our our dads really should have told us about and Absolutely. i think part of it is the risk 
factor. And I think people have this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And so um, what we had was fear of risking everything and losing everything. So <laughs> I don't have an acronym for that. But what I learned is a um, little bit about my history. I went through all kinds of changes. I am, I was raised in a very risk um, adverse environment. And after I moved up here and had my first child, I learned that um, I could tolerate a lot more risk. And how that happened was losing my job. Because again, I went into a job for 10 years as a, as a scientist. And one week after my son was born, I lost my job. So I had no idea how I was gonna feed him, feed, you know, take care of my wife. And what I learned is I risked it all, I lost it all, and then I was able to come back and do really, really good things and big things with that. Now that's happened to me a couple times. That cycle has happened where I've made a ton of money, I bet it all, and guess what? I lost. And you know what happens is you feel really bad for a minute, but then you realize that you have to lose to appreciate success. So when you are successful, you understand those losses helped you along the way. Absolutely. So every loss is a learning experience for me. And right now is I've learned not to put put myself as in as much risk as I did before. So now I'm a little more um, risk. I'm very risk tolerant, but I'm also not going to risk everything that I have. I'm going to make sure that I only risk what I can afford to lose. <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I think what we were talking about as far as what our dad should have taught us, everything for the most part, I gotta be honest with you, everything that we're talking about here for the last 20 minutes is stuff my dad didn't teach me. No. Uh, you know, he bought bought some real estate, but his whole focus on buying real estate was it was a place you live, and of course you buy real estate because that's part of getting the job, building your retirement, and you gotta pay your house off. Right. But you know, so there it, what I believe, in, and, and I believe strongly, and so do you, is that uh, the real estate is an, is an asset. It's part of an asset class. And, and if you watch Robert Kiyosaki, for example, he'll talk to you about the fact that uh, it doesn't become truly an asset until you sell it. It is an expense while you're living in it. But other houses that you do buy, those are assets because you put money down, you buy it, and then, uh, and then you can get rent on it. Right. And, you know, and it's interesting, I think what has occurred for me over the years is uh, you go, hey, I'm going to have that secure job. And then how many companies have we heard about where there's a pension and then they fire the employee and they sell off the pension plan and they never get to retire and they don't get the money. Talk about risk. You just invested 20 years of your life. Yeah. And boom. So wow. I think one of the things that in, in uh, looking at real estate that I see is that FOMO, that fear of missing out. And we should have that fear of missing out. It's called opportunity cost. And so opportunity cost is key. So uh, what that means is that if you don't invest, how much could you lose by not investing in what you could have invested in? Yeah. So if I could turn around and I can make 100% over the last 10 years in real estate, so I have a house here in Folsom that's $250,000, now it's you know 500,000, and, and I didn't buy it. I didn't lose anything, right? Wrong. Right. You lost I lost $250,000. Yeah, that was your opportunity cost. And I want to explain to people what assets and liabilities are, because I don't think that's talked about enough. 
An asset is something that brings you money. A liability is something that costs you money. And one of the reasons I suggested to my own kids about buying a duplex first is that as that property now becomes an asset because it is bringing you money right from the beginning. You have one unit that you're renting out and one unit that you're living in. Now, mm -hmm. if you're not in that position, what I've seen a lot of young people do is they buy houses that have multiple bedrooms and they'll buy something, as a single person, they'll buy a four bedroom house. Why do they do that? They rent out each individual room and help pay the mortgage every single month. So again, they turned their house, which was normally a liability, into an asset. So Absolutely. everything is strategy when you're talking about money and investing. And this is the thing I think as dads, we want to teach you is how to understand the risk, how to understand the opportunity and where to put your money safely. Real estate, you have always have options. You can sell the real estate, you can refinance the real estate and you can, or you can rent out the real estate. And that's something other investments don't give you. Hey, before we finish up today, let's talk a little bit about right now. So I want to buy real estate, right? So I'm, awesome. I'm a young person. I want to buy real estate. Is now a good time to do it? Absolutely. Now is a good time to do it because what you're hearing about with the Fed raising interest rates is not necessarily what the mortgage portion of interest rates are doing. They're kind of detached. And so one of the reasons you want to buy real estate now is there's still a small amount of inventory and the rates are relatively inexpensive. If we're looking at a rate right now, right around 5%, that's historically lower than where we were in 2005, where the market was off completely off the chain. So I think long-term, if you can hold an asset at 5%, you're doing great. Absolutely. So, and I think you can look at this historical that we're putting up right here. This tells you what the rate has done over the last 30 years. And so you can see that we're relatively very, very low. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid. So here's, here's what happens. You'll go, oh man, rates are two and a half percent. So that's exciting. But now they jump up into the fives and fours, fives and sixes, and it doesn't make sense anymore, right? Right. And right. I think the answer is wrong. No, that's true. Is because most people are afraid. They go, wait a minute, the rates were two months ago, they were two and three percent. Why are they at five and six now? But what they're failing to realize is that the inflation rate is higher than interest rates. So if you're having that experience where the inflation is higher, then you're actually making money on your mortgage because it continues to go up. Now, the fear is if they raise interest rates above what the inflation rate is, that's when you can see a correction. So right now, I would venture a guess as to... Uh, at your 5% rate fixed today at 30 years is going to probably come down a little bit over the next couple years as inflation kind of sinks in. It's going to have a very weird effect on the mortgage rates. So I think if you can buy something now uh, and it's got to be affordable to you, you'll be able to refi it in the future for less than what it is right now. So that's what makes it a great deal in my opinion because the money is cheap. Because if the interest rates for mortgages go up to 7%, it's gonna cost you more over the long term. So, right. Well, before we finish up, let's just talk uh, real quick about what you talked about with leveraging 1,800%. Did, did we hear that right? And the answer uh, is we did hear that right. Because yeah. 
be, and, and the number might not be 1800, but it's a lot. And so what happens is when we take into the account leverage, the point that you were trying to make or making about real estate is something my dad, as a professor, a business professor, I remember we had a conversation over at the racquetball club many years ago, huh. and it actually threw me off for a long time, to be very blunt with you. So my dad said, hey, the stock market historically makes 10% per year, and real estate historically makes 8% per year. So I was thinking, wow, that really, my whole thing about being interested in real estate, it really threw me off. Right. But the thing that my dad and maybe your dad didn't know or didn't share with you is leverage. So if I put $100 down, so I buy a house for $100,000, right? Right. You can't do that right now. But if you could, uh, just for sake of easy numbers, if I buy a stock for $100,000 and it goes up 10%, it's one hundred ten thousand dollars, right? Right, right. But if I buy real estate, it goes up to one hundred eight thousand dollars, right? Right. So I made less money, right? Wrong. Wrong, because in the real estate, you had to put a hundred percent, the whole hundred thousand. When you're what you're talking about, the massive percentage increase is maybe you're putting ten percent down, which means that you'd be putting eight thousand down, right? And now you jumped up and you made eight thousand, so did you doubled your money? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting phenomenon in real estate. You can borrow 96.5% of whatever the purchase price of a home is. So let's just say this. We'll do the $100,000 analogy here. You're putting down $3,500. If that goes up 8% in that one year, now you went from a $100,000 purchase. Now it's worth 108000 how much money did you actually put up? You only put up $3,500. So your return on investment in that first year is over 100%. Because if you add $3,500 plus $3,500 is $7,000. So you just now doubled your money. You have more than 100% return on your investment. That is the leverage we're talking about. Not And in stocks, what Kevin is saying you have to put up your whole hundred grand to get a 10% return. So now you put up a hundred thousand to get a 10% return, whereas I put up 3,500 to get a more than hundred percent return. Absolutely. You understand? There's a difference with the leverage. So really understanding how that works is what we're gonna get into in the next couple of podcasts with you. So you really understand how to leverage your money the correct way and buy proper assets, things that are duplexes, things that are homes that have additional dwelling units, also known as ADUs. We'll show you how to bring extra income. That's a fun one, by the way. Absolutely. So a lot of people don't realize in California that you can do a junior ADU, which is under 300 square feet, attached to your home with no permit fees and costs because there's no school fees attached to that. So there's a, an amazing amount of leverage there if you could convert it on your own property. So we'll talk more about that in the Absolutely. future. Yeah. Well, hopefully this was a good introduction to who we are as dads and uh, who we are as people. If you have questions, remember, I'm Terrence Springer from Remax Gold. Kevin Fritz from Iron Point Mortgage. Thanks for joining us here for the last 30 minutes. We really enjoyed uh, just talking about some ideas, and we look forward to talking to you more. Uh, make sure and comment below. Uh, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. If you're interested in hearing topics that... Uh, 
that are surrounding that, we're happy to address those. Absolutely. If you have any comments or questions, please leave them and uh, we're happy to address anything that you put out there and we're happy to provide the uh, transparency in the graphs and data and where we get our sources from so you can see that we're not pulling this stuff out of thin air. This is to your wealth. Have a great one. Have a great day. Here, what, are we, what is our show?